Father, we just come to you tonight. Uh, you're just God Almighty and just creator of the heaven and earth. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be filled with your spirit tonight and that we'd be able to learn something uh, from this uh, chapter that we're going to read about Isaac and his family, Lord. Just uh, pray you bless this time together right now and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we're in Genesis uh, 27. And uh, uh, this is a different kind of a chapter. Uh, you notice I've kind of titled it The Dark Day of Isaac's Family. Um, it's definitely, uh, we're reading what I would call history tonight and this one day of uh, events that happened in Isaac's family. And it's... Uh, I don't think you could, you could read it as anything that we would read tonight would be considered uh, like godly-like behavior or anything like that. But it's it, the Bible's like that. It records uh, uh, actual events in people's lives, and uh, and so with that, let's just get started. And uh, uh, the first thing I want to talk about just a little background for Genesis uh, twenty-seven. Uh, first, uh, if you remember Isaac, I just we kind of get a background on Isaac a little bit. Uh, you know, he prayed for 20 years for Rebecca to get pregnant. You know, and if you think even going back farther, he was the obedient son that carried the wood up Mount Moriah. You know, he's the type of Christ. And so, and then basically when he gets married, he prays for 20 years for Rebecca to get married. Um, Rebecca prayed about her pregnancy, and when she prayed about her pregnancy uh, in Genesis uh, 25, 23, uh, the Lord answered her, and he said, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two people shall be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve uh, the younger. Uh, so, on, if you're filling out the sheet there, uh, number one, it's just basically before the twins Esau and Jacob were born, God told Rebecca, the older shall serve the younger. And I know we covered this a couple weeks ago, but we're going to see it come into play uh, in a whole different light uh, tonight. So, In Genesis 25, it says, So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, uh, indeed, there were twins in her room, in her womb, and the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took a hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when, he, when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of the game, uh, ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And so, number two, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So, just going back, getting the background, we've got, uh, you know, the uh, right here when you got the two parents, you know, kind of choosing up sides for the kids. 
probably not going to turn out good if that's what you're thinking as you'll see tonight it, that actually plays out uh, so 29 now Jacob uh, Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary and Esau said to Jacob uh, please feed me with that same red stew for I'm weary therefore his name was called Edom but Jacob said sell me your birthright as of this day and uh, Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this uh, birthright uh, to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So, number three, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for bread and a bowl of lentil soup. And then number four, Esau described his birthright. Now, I'm going to talk a bunch about this. We actually covered this before, but this is building up because uh, last week we uh, spent some uh, time on other topics. But so now we're actually 77 years later. And uh, this is what I call the dark day of Isaac's family. Uh, There's stuff that goes on here that is uh, uh, kind of difficult to read, actually. Uh, It's something you wouldn't want to have happen in your family. And and if it did, you certainly want it to be published in the most read book in the history of the world. Uh, So so it's a tough time there. But we're going to read through it. So starting at Genesis 27, uh, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. Uh, Then he said, Behold now, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Uh, Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me a savory savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, and my soul may bless you before I die. So, um, I was just going to review some stuff about Isaac here. Uh, Isaac was 137 when this happened, 137 years old. And so he thought he was going to die, and I think it probably because his brother uh, Ishmael died at 137. So, you know, he's getting up in the years, and he's starting to panic a little bit. Uh, And so he's basically, he knows that God had told Rebekah that the older is going to serve the younger. and uh, But he's kind of making up his mind he's going to do something different, right? Yeah. it's kind of weird because he thought he was going to die. He actually lived, uh, you know, till he was 180. Uh, he knew that the older was to serve the younger. Uh, and, you know, Isaac's life uh, changed over time. And we kind of talked about this before. Uh, you know, he's, he's not the same man that carried the wood on Moriah. Uh, uh, and I would definitely say his life no longer reflects a type of Christ, which he was then. And uh, he's really more concerned with 
Esau's barbecue than he is with the will of God at this point in his life. So, number five on your sheet, Isaac is a carnal man living according to the flesh. And carnal, that's all it means is uh, fleshly, okay? And so, if when the Bible talks about living according to your flesh, it's basically uh, who we are naturally. Without, If we're not led by the Spirit of God and then we're living according to our flesh and we're kind of do what our flesh tells us what to do. And so... Uh, if you you got homework here, there'll be a test on it next week. No, not really. But Galatians five nineteen through twenty six, it talks about uh, the manifestations of the flesh, and then the and then in contrast at the fruit of the spirit. And so I don't want to go there tonight, but that's an interesting read if you want to read that. Um, what I really want to do though, because Romans chapter eight. Uh, uh, remember the Romans rap, Romans uh, 6 through 8, the righteousness of God, how it operates. Uh, so in uh, Romans 8, 5 through 11, let's, we're going to go there and read that. And so because this is, this is what um, Isaac is doing right now, right? He says he's living according to his flesh. He's a carnal man. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Uh, let me explain. To be carnally minded is, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. You know, enmity is, what, just a natural friction? Like most people, when they see a snake, it's like, ooh, get away, right? That's That would be enmity or any kind of reaction that you have where you just naturally push away. That's what the word enmity means. So verse 7 again, because the carnal mind, in other words, our fleshly mind, if the way we are normally, is an enmity against God. It's natural to push back. If you go to try to, a lot of times you go try to witness somebody and if the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted them of sin, they don't want to talk to you. Just get away, get away. That's that enmity that's happening right then and there. It says, so verse 7 again, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, um, number six, those in the flesh cannot please God. Um, I couldn't leave it there because... Uh, the next verse um, says, "But so in contrast to that, in contrast to that, but you not you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, so I want to talk about that word if there in verse uh, what is it nine? I guess it says if indeed uh, in the Greek language there's uh, three different kinds of ifs." There's a if and whatever follows it is assumed to be true. And then there's a if and whatever follows it is assumed to be false. That's first and second class condition. And the third is if, like I'm a programmer, you know, if this, then that, you know. There's a conditional if. But this one here, this if, is the first class. 
So a lot of times you could just even translate that as sense. Or you could say, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, and it does, okay, that would be another way to translate that. And there's, and I can almost say, I think, every time I've checked, whenever the word if is used in conjunction with salvation, it's always assumed to be true after that. So if you're reading something, and because we're so used to the conditional if, right, the programmer's if, that we don't we think about well well if if it's like this and then it could be this or if it's like that it could be like that but what he's saying here whenever it has to do with salvation or topics of salvation just i have yet to run into one that wasn't the first class in other words where whatever comes after it is assumed to be true so if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you there's no question in what he's saying there he's saying if indeed the spirit of god dwells in you and it does, okay? Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of, because of righteousness. And we talked about that last week, uh, the righteousness of God that comes into us. Uh, it's accounted to us from God. But if the Spirit, verse 11, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your moral bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So anyway, uh, seven is, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And so the idea of that is to uh, understand that uh, Isaac was operating in the flesh when he was doing this stuff. And the decisions he made were against what he knew what the will of God was. Okay, he knew that the older should serve the younger. He already knew that. So he's going against the will of God. You know, he's saying, hey, go out and get me some stuff. Bring it in, man. You make the best barbecue. You know, I want to hang with my favorite son here. Really kind of pushing God to the side and saying, you know, I don't care what God says about this. I'm going to go ahead and override so, um, Genesis uh, 27, starting at verse 5, it says, Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went into the field to hunt game to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. So, um, Rebecca's listening in, and uh, she's, uh, she's got a plan. So, so she says in verse 9, says, Now go to the flock and bring me from their two-choice kids of the goats and I will make savory food uh, from them for your father such as he loves then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death so um, uh, Rebecca is scheming she's actually creating this plan of deceit in verse 11 Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, 
look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. The plot thickens. Verse 15. Then Rebekah took the, the choice clothes of her elder son Esau which were uh, which were which were with her in her house and put them on Jacob her younger son and she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck so she's dressing Esau I mean uh, Jacob in Esau's clothes and she's got these skins of goats that she puts on his neck because he's got a smooth skin and you know, and so he puts these goat skins on the backs of his hands. Remember, uh, um, Isaac is basically kind of blind right now. That's what it tells us he can't see. So they're going through this whole thing to, to uh, basically trick him. Uh, verse 18, so he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? So I want to talk about, we talked about Isaac's role in this. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Re- Rebecca's role in this uh, dark day. So uh, basically, this is just a review of what we've already read. Rebecca, she basically plans the whole deception out. Right? She She hears this and thinks, oh no, you know, Isaac's going to go do this and you know, he knows that, you know, the older is supposed to serve the younger. He's not supposed to be doing this. So I'm going to intervene into this and take control. So, you know, at this point, you can open up a whole bag of what ifs, you know, a whole bunch of them like, well, what if she didn't do this? Right. And and uh, well, what, what would have happened then? Well, maybe maybe Esau would uh, go out and not find anything to barbecue. You know, who knows what God's plan was in this whole thing. But the idea is, is that. At this point, she's not trusting God. God told her something. She's not really trusting God. She's going to intervene in and kind of take over for God. I know we would never do anything like that. but So she number eight, she plans a deception. I mean, she prepares the food for the deception. She accepts the curse for Jacob. In other words, Jacob said, hey, what if I make a curse? Hey, don't worry about it. I'll take your curse. And that kind of comes true here. We're going to see a little bit later. Uh, she I means she goes and gathers Esau's clothes. She gathers and places the goat skins on Jacob. So she's kind of setting the whole thing up, right? So uh, they can do this. Let's see. Um, so back in Genesis, it said, uh, so now we got. Jacob going in to see his father. He said, so he went to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Okay. I have done just what you told me. I mean, please rise and sit and eat my game. 
that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Oh, man. This is tough. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Verse 26, so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it, bring it near to me and I'll eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and he kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, clothing, and he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. So uh, Esau must have had a very powerful uh, body order because it was reeking from his clothes. 28, it says, Therefore may God give you the dew of the heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be those who bless you. So Jacob actually has tricked his dad into giving him the blessing. So, um, so the this is Jacob's part in this whole fiasco. Uh, he he was concerned over the curse, not over the act of deception. In other words, when when his mom approached him on it, his idea wasn't, "Hey, you know, this isn't right." His idea was, well, if I get caught with this, you know, I might get a curse. <laughs> so, I mean, from the get-go, he was ready to go on the on the plan. Uh, so then we know we heard the buzzer go off. He told a few lies. He said, I'm es- Esau, your firstborn. Um, I've done just as you told me. I mean, I mean, he obviously... Isaac didn't tell Jacob to, you know, go out and get the barbecue. Uh, he says, eat of my game. Uh, this is some goats. It wasn't anything that he got. He says, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Remember, like, how did you get it so quick? So he even brings God into the whole thing. Um, that's what I'm saying. What we're reading here is not necessarily something that God would condone. Uh, it's, I mean... I mean, the Ten Commandments, you know, you're, thou shalt not lie. This is just recording a historical event. And uh, it was written here so that we could learn from it. Okay, that's, we learned that last week, the reason these scriptures were written so that we could learn. And then he reaffirms, yes, I am Esau. He tells another lie. So, number nine, Jacob carries out the deception. Okay. Uh, verse 30, now it happened 
as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, uh, Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, presence of Isaac, his father, that he saw his brother came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And Isaac the, and the, his father Isaac said to them, who are you? So he said to him, I'm your, your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and, he, and said, Who? Uh, where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. So at this point, that last phrase there, and indeed he shall be blessed, probably the most common thought in this whole thing, because we're going to see here in a minute that Esau's you know, pleading, hey, can you bless me? You know, there's been a big mistake here. My brother, you know, tricked you. And and uh, and so in our culture, it may be we would call the guy back in and say, hey, you lied, you did all this, you know, forget what I said. Well, I think a couple of things are in play here. Uh, number one, uh, there was a lot higher standard in the ancient culture to once you've said something, you know, like let your yes be yes, your no be no, that sort of thing. There was a lot higher standard for that. But I think basically what had happened also is that Isaac was probably uh, spiritually awakened at this point here, and he realized what had happened, that his son Jacob had deceived him, but his son Jacob had done exactly what God had told him was going to happen anyway. So I think that's a couple of things going on. So verse 34, it says, When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Verse 36, And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? Remember, Jacob means Surplanter, right? And, uh, somebody that would purposely, you know, trip somebody up to gain an advantage, right? That's what we talked about last week. He says, For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? So, first of all, he didn't take away the birthright. I mean, so he saw us just kind of whining there. But this part here, he has taken away the blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved the blessing for me? In verse 37, Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants with grain and wine, and I have sustained him. What shall I do for you now, my son? Or now for you, my son? Verse 38, And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me. Uh, me also, my father, and Esau lifted up his voice and wept. So it's kind of like, I think, Esau's like, you know, he's older now. And he's kind of realizing, you know, maybe I shouldn't have sold that blessing for, you know, a bowl of soup, you know. You know, and then now his brother's kind of gotten over on him. And, 
it's not a good day for Esau at all. Then Isaac, his father, answered him and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be in the fatness of the earth, in the dew of heaven uh, from above. Uh, By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when when you become reckless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. And, and as we get farther into the Old Testament, we're going to see that Esau was, you know, the kind of the head of Edom. Uh, Esau is Edom, right? And uh, the Edomites kind of came back against uh, the Israelites, and we'll we'll see that. So this is kind of a prophecy that actually we'll see come true. Verse forty-one. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at hand, and I will kill my brother Jacob. So he's thinking, well, you know, dad thinks he's going to die. He's going to die pretty soon. And when he does, it's over for Jacob. I'm going to kill him. And the words of Esau, uh, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So he must have, you know, it's a small world, right? Get out, people talk. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. And stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. This is kind of interesting. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you uh, from there. Why should I be reaved also uh, of both of you in one day? Uh so Rebecca's plan uh, was for Jacob to stay with Uncle Laban for a few days. In reality, uh, she never saw him again. So remember the curse? I mean, this isn't, it's not explicitly talked about as a curse, but uh, her favorite son, she's sending him away now, and she'll never see him again. I mean, she's going to die and never see her son again. Uh, the verse up there where it says, um, why should I be bereaved also of both of you in one day? Uh, the idea behind what she's actually saying there, that if um, if uh, Esau kills Jacob, Jacob's going to be obviously dead, and then Esau is going to have to pay the price for uh, killing him. So, uh, So she would basically lose both of her sons in one day. Uh, Not a good thing. In verse 46, this is the interesting part. She's already told uh, Jacob what to do. And now she goes to Isaac and said, Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like, uh, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So she's basically, she's already told uh, uh, Jacob, hey, you need to go uh, and and live with my brother, and uh, so you can get away from uh, 
from Esau so he doesn't kill you. But then she goes to uh, Jacob, I mean to Isaac, and says, uh, you know, hey, I don't want... uh, I don't want Jacob hanging around with these local girls here. I want him to go off. It's kind of interesting because we kind of ended up last week but not being unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so we're kind of getting another round of that uh, uh, same idea here. And so in verse uh, 1 of chapter 28, says, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise and go to Padan Aram, uh, to the house of Bethuel, your your mother's father, and take uh, yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban's going to turn out to be a pretty interesting guy. And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you it's almost like Isaac has kind of come back to his senses about what God's plan is. So he gets back with the program, starting in verse 3. Again, it says, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Verse uh, 6 says, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padam Aram to take himself a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padam, Padan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father, Isaac. So Esau, Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife, in addition to the wives he had. So Esau is just, you know, first he married uh, the Hittite, uh, the two Hittite wives. And so now he's he hasn't got it figured out, you know, that he's just from the, the line that's not going to be to Christ. And he, he hasn't got it figured out. But in his way of trying to make things right with his dad, uh, he goes off and marries one of the daughters of... Uh, of Ishmael, his uh, uncle. So, so first of all, I think this is a good name, the dark day of Isaac's family. I mean, all this took place in one day. Um, the first thing is, is, you know, we saw, we saw what uh, Isaac's, uh, we saw everybody, everybody's involvement, and everybody did some bad things. So plenty of blame to go around. Uh, Jacob carried out the deception. Rebecca planned the deception. And Isaac's carnal life set everything in motion. I mean, that's kind of what happened. And to be honest with you, I think what happened to Isaac 
is he just drifted away. Um, there's a verse in uh, Hebrews, in Hebrews 2.1, it says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Okay, and in context, in Hebrews, uh, uh, the writer of the Hebrews write into them, and he's trying to explain to them why Christ is superior to everything. And so uh, he's just finished talking about uh, things about angels, and he says, hey, we really need to pay attention to the stuff that that we've heard lest we drift away. And so if uh, if you've ever been to the beach... I can remember when I was a kid, uh, we would go to Lake Charlevoix, and it's a big lake that's kind of connected to Lake Michigan. And uh, my dad would be on the beach, and uh, uh, my mom and dad be sitting on a beach, and we'd start playing. He says, I want you to play right out here, right? Just stay in front of me. So we'd be out there playing, and there's kind of the current in the in the lake, and we'd just be playing, not paying attention to what was going on. And next thing you know, we'd be, you know, 20 yards you know, down the beach. I mean, and really weren't doing anything except for playing around, not paying attention, but we just drifted away. And I think uh, this is what can happen to us. I think this is what happened to Isaac. If you remember, he started being Mr. Obedient, right? Carrying the wood. I mean, he was obedient to, you know, hey, I'm going to get on an altar and I'll be the sacrifice. You know, and then, then we see his his life uh, moving forward, you know, he, he gets his wife, he gets married. They don't, they are not having kids for 20 years, and he's praying to God that we could have the kids, and then, then his kids are born. And I think he kind of settles into the whole thing and just starts drifting away from God. You know, he's like thinking, God, you know, this Esau is really good. I like him. He make he's 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 a good hunter, and he makes the best barbecue. And he's just kind of drifting away from God not even aware of what's going on, you know, and then finally the day comes. And so I think that, I think what happened to Isaac could happen to any one of us. It seriously, it could. And, you know, and Paul, at the end of his life, actually talks about this when he's writing to Timothy. He says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, you know, I'm, I'm getting to be an old guy now. He's kind of in the same spot that Isaac was in. And what has he said? What does he say here? He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Okay? And, you know, he's talking about it. Paul uses a lot of military terms. And in some ways, you know, it is a fight. You know, it's not easy to to walk with God, especially in, you know, these times. But the thing that I like best out of what he says in verse 8, he says, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Who's that? That's us. So, I guess, uh, after reading uh, this kind of a dastardly day that, that Isaac's family had, I said, you know, I think it's really easy just to kind of think of what do we what do we learn from this? And I'd say, you know, we need to 
finish strong, you know, kind of like Paul. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you for the scripture and Lord, uh, the lessons that we can learn and and uh, we can see uh, maybe the mistakes that uh, other people have made and Lord, we could learn from that and uh, Lord, that we would uh, just uh, fix our eyes on you and finish strong. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.